If you turn with me back to John 17 this morning, that's where our text will be found. It will be found throughout the chapter in the prayer of Jesus in 17. Let us ask the Lord's blessing upon it. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank You, Lord, for Thy great mercy. I thank You, Lord, for Thy healing with me this week. Thank You for the trial and the sickness that You sent into my life and all, Lord, that You have taught me in it. And Lord, I pray that You would continue to reveal Thyself. I thank You for this hour, Lord. I thank You for the time of this hour to be able to be brought to this hour. For there were many times I doubted it. Lord, I thank you for thy faithfulness. And I pray according to that faithfulness, Lord, that you would be pleased to open up this word. I admit this morning, Lord, my inadequacy to even speak it. My unworthiness to speak it. But I know, Lord, it is thy word. I know, Lord, it is thy message. And I pray, Lord, that thou would bring it forth. I thank you, Lord, for thy bountiful blessings that you have set before us. And I pray, Lord, in that mercy that you would allow us to enter into them this hour. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) Truly, this is the Lord's Prayer. I know that the world has taken the prayer that the Lord taught his disciples how to pray and They have made that and they've called it the Lord's Prayer, which is blasphemy if you think about it. Because in that prayer, the Lord says to forgive us our sins. Jesus could never have sins. So truly that wasn't his prayer. What you have set before you this morning is the Lord's final utterance. The last several weeks we've been looking at this last sermon that Jesus blessed his disciples with and and the Holy Spirit said I'm going to put it on record for all of all of the Lord's people going forward so the Lord takes these words and the Holy Spirit takes them and he feeds his sheep throughout all the ages and he's taken us in this sermon to to see his peace his love his promises And then when he concluded the sermon, it's early Friday morning, the day of his death. And now he's sitting right before the time that he will leave and go right into the garden to pray where he'll be arrested. And now, after after having the eleven in front of him and instructing them, he now turns and he goes off a little from them. And he goes to prayer. To where he will pour out his heart to the Father. It will be the last time they hear his voice in an instructive way. Because this prayer is not a how-to prayer. It's a prayer of an intercessor. It's the prayer of one who knows he's about to lay down his life. To go back to the Father. And he knows that it's things that his people there need to hear. And the prayer that now he offers to the Lord, he offers it in three phases. First part of the prayer, he offers for himself. For the hour now has come for him to lay down his life. And he prays for that strength and that oneness with the Father so that he knows and there's there's no um, trepidation for him. 
And he knows that oneness and that singleness. And he speaks of the Father's will. And he says, I know that this is the hour to carry out your will. The will of the Father to send his Son to die for his people. And so the first five verses are are geared toward that. And then he turns his, his attention to his disciples and he prays for them. What they will have need of because now they're going to go out into the world and they are going to preach the gospel. And the Lord says right in the middle of praying for them, He says to them, and remember this is audibly, and He's saying it in front of them. And we know that because John was there and John is the one who recorded this under the power of the Holy Ghost, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. So we know that um, they were there and they heard it. This was not meant to be a prayer that he went into his closet and he prayed between him and the Father alone. It's an intercessory prayer. So he prays for the disciples and he makes it clear to them and he makes it clear to us this morning in verse 9 that he prays only for them. I'm not praying for this world. I'm not praying that the world is reformed. I'm not praying that the world is saved. I'm not praying that the world would change its mind about me. I pray for you, my disciples. And then the rest of the prayer, he prays for those that aren't with the disciples that will hear the Word of God. That will hear. From that moment, the the truth will go out and the truth has always went out. The Lord has preserved the gospel in every age, just as He's preserved it this morning here. And so, when we come to this holy ground, we come to this place where we're unworthy. And you know, when we pray, usually our posture is in what manner? We bow our heads. It's the way we've been taught. And we're taught that way because of our unworthiness. It's hard to even think about looking up to a a pure and holy and just God and praying to Him. So we bow our heads in reverence, in unworthiness, knowing that we are sinners praying to a holy God. But if you look at verse 1, Jesus didn't pray that way. He lifted His eyes and looked into the face of His Father as He was praying, as an intercessor. Because He is God. He is the God-man. He has no sin. He is the worthy Lamb. And He looks up to the Father and the message now that He has in this prayer... For all, for all of His people throughout all the ages is a powerful one. And it's a needful one. And I cannot underscore enough to you to tell you this morning that it's a prayer of intercession. Meaning, Jesus says that what I'm praying now and what I've done, I've done on behalf of these people. The ones, Father, that you have given me. And he says that over and over again. The ones you've given me. And in this prayer, you can't walk out of this prayer without seeing union in it. The divine union that we have, that the Father has with the Son, with the Holy Ghost, and with His people. 
That union that we have, and he prayed over and over and wanted that for the church and for the disciples, who are the church also, to experience that union that the Father has with the Son and the Son has with the Father. And the only way you and I will do that here on earth is through the Holy Ghost. Bringing us into that union to testify of what Jesus says in these words. This is not a prayer to emulate. We can't go in the closet and we can't mimic this prayer because it's not our prayer. It's His prayer. It's the Lord's prayer. And He's the only one who could intercede for us. Do you see what an abomination it is in any religion to have someone who says, I can pray. I can be the one who intercedes. Just sit behind a wall and confess to me and I will absolve you of your sin. It's not given to any man. It is an affront. It is blasphemy. What we have in front of us in this holy ground of writ, we have what Jesus did as a priest for us. He has entered in as our high priest. And one of the duties of the priest is to make intercession for the people. He, this morning, has entered into the Holy of Holies with the sacrifice. Because He is the sacrifice. He's the altar. He's the sacrifice. He's the blood. He's the intercessor. He's the priest. He's all of it. Without Him, we can... That's what He said earlier in 15. Without Me, you can do nothing. Abiding in Me is having that understanding that in the mind of Christ and what He gives us to know is that Christ has done everything for us and is continuing that work in us. This prayer that the Lord offered and that He gave and that He authored here is just as much for you and I this morning as it was for His disciples and as it was for Himself. But this morning, I know you've probably heard many messages on John 17 before. I've preached a few of them myself. And I honestly believe and I honestly believe this. I honestly believe, Lord willing, if the Spirit is willing, I could take every verse and preach a sermon. It's that full. It really is. And it's not my intention this morning to exhaust the deep riches of this prayer. But what it is, my intention this morning, is to point the light and to point the finger and to point the, the focus of what Christ the intercessor did for us in this prayer. Nine times in this prayer, you will hear Jesus say, I have. What has He done for you and I if he be, if we be in Christ Jesus. Nine things. Nine different places will go in this prayer where Jesus says, I have done this. 
You want to know how He intercedes for us? This is how. So we start with the first one, and it's in verse 4. In verse 4, Jesus says, I have glorified thee on the earth. Now think about this. I, in my ministry, the Lord Jesus Christ, what I've done in my perfect obedience, what I've done in keeping the law, what I've done in, in everything that I've done without sin, I have magnified, I've glorified thee on the earth. I have pointed every one of my children and I've pointed this world and I said there's only salvation in this one. Salvation is of the Lord. I have glorified thee. What you have given me to do, what he says, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished. Well, no, we'll just stay with I have glorified thee on the earth. So he says, I have glorified thee on the earth. I've exalted you. I've shined the light upon everything that you have done. I have kept the Father's will. Not that I tried to keep the Father's will. I did it. I have. Once again, this is a prayer of intercession. So as we hear what Jesus has done this morning, we as the church are listening to what He's done on our behalf. So what He's done for us, the church, is He's glorified the Father. You know, I've heard that many times from people in their lives and, and as they've stumbled over things in the Word of God, they'll, they'll make these, these declarations about, well, God's this way, but Jesus is this way. Well, God seems to be more of a, a harsh God because He killed people, but, but Jesus is more of a loving one because He, he said uh, He loves His enemies. And the two are one. They have the same mind. The justice that I spoke of of God and taking the lives of some is the same justice that Jesus has as we're told in Revelation who will come again with a sword, a two-edged sword to execute justice and mercy for His. They're the same. And Jesus said, My ministry here on earth, when I went from city to city, when I went from town to town, when I performed miracles, when I did the healings, when I cast out devils, my goal was to glorify you, Father. There is no separation. The two are one. And that's the first thing. That's the first thing we have in front of us in this prayer this morning as our intercessor. The one who intercedes for us. Because these are things the church couldn't do. And can't do. So they look to their representative. The one we talked about last week. And his promises. I promise to be your advocate. I promise to be your representative. I'm your representative in heaven. I'm your representative here on earth. Well, how are you represented, representing me? I am glorifying the Father to you. I'm showing you the glory of the Father. You know, I, I've heard that before. Well... Well, Sean, you preach too much Christ and people are going to exalt Christ over the Father. I hope that's not the case. Because they're one. But what the Father said is I put everything in the hands of my Son. Hear ye Him. Preach Christ. Because He's the way of salvation. 
That's why I preach Christ. And Him alone. So the first I have is I've glorified Thee on the earth. And in the same verse, He goes to the second one. He says, I have finished the work which Thou gavest me to do. Remember what Jesus said in His last words on the cross on 19, in John 19.30. He says, When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, He said, It is finished. Silly man today thinks, oh, that just means his life was over. No. There's so much in it is finished. The perfect obedience is now he's done it all. He now has finished and kept every bit of the law so that you and I are never condemned by it again. He has, he has put away, put down all of his enemies so that you and I are, are triumphant over those enemies. He has washed away our sins so that you and I don't live under the burden of sin. We live in the freedom of Christ Jesus who's put it away. It's finished. The work, Father, that you gave me to do, that you sent me before the foundation of the world. You elected a people. You said these are the people that are my people. This is my church. And he counseled with the son who said, I will go. I will go and lay down my life for them. For them only. I finished that work. I finished that. That's what he said. I've glorified thee on there. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Daniel said in 9.24, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression. He's speaking of the time, that the, the time we're at now. In 70 weeks, Jesus is coming. And not only is He coming, He's going to lay down His life, He's going to die. That's what Daniel saw clearly. And this is what he says will take place. And to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity. And to bring in everlasting righteousness. He brought in everlasting righteousness. Something you and I could never do. We're not righteous. We can't will ourselves to be good. It doesn't matter how many times we say we're resolved to do this and to do that. What resolutions we make. What promises we make to each other. The mind will betray us every time. And the Lord said, but I say unto you, if you perform that sin in your mind, you've done it in your heart, you've performed it. That makes us guilty. But He brought in everlasting righteousness because you and I now today can look to His righteousness, not to ours. What merit do you have? I've said that many times. If I know somebody's at the end of their life, or if I know they're getting older or whatever, and the Lord brings them in my path, we have to work that in the conversation. What are you staking your life on? And if you hear that person say, well, I've lived a good life. I've tried to be good. I've done everything that I can do. You know they're lost. 
That's a sad place to be that in this pilgrimage, when you get to the end or the thoughts in your mind is that you think that there was a path you could hone out for yourself that would lead you to eternal life that doesn't include Christ and what He's done. He said, I have finished that work. I've done it. I have done all of this. It's my righteousness. That's the beauty of ushering in this everlasting righteousness is that the people of God point to it. That's my merit, dear ones. Why is it do you believe you're going to heaven? Because of Christ. He put my sins away. He did it and He convinced me because I, I can't convince myself. I know how dirty sinner I am. I only know parts of it. I know that I'm not worthy of anything Christ did. I, my worthiness is in Him. What He's done. His righteousness. That's what He's done. I have finished the work which Thou gavest me to do. I've done that on because you can't. I've interceded for you. This is what He said. Now listen, they're sitting there, the eleven of them are listening to these words. And they're powerful words to them. Because they're looking right now. I know if I'm there, I'm thinking, well, that's right. I, I can't do those things. I mean, this is what he did for me. He finished the work. But that's not all. If you go to verse 6, as he moves into the prayer for the disciples, he starts it with, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gave me out of the world. Did you hear that? How did Jesus get His disciples? The Father elected them. And the Father said, "These and the Son said, these are the ones you gave me. And you know what I did? On, on their behalf and on your behalf, as an intercessor to them, I manifested your name to those men. Manifested make, means to make it clear. I made it clear that everything comes from you. That you created all things. I, I, that, that in you is life. I've manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were as you elected them before the foundation of the world. And thou gavest them to me and they have kept thy word because of Christ's work. Because he manifested his name, the name of the Father unto those men. And that's the only way. I've done that. And look over at 19 real quick. He says, and for their sakes, that's the people of God, I sanctify myself. I set myself apart. I came down from heaven to do this, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. That they too will be set apart in the truth. What has He manifested to His people? The truth. The truth of the Father. Who God is. Why do you think if you went outside that door and you got in your car and you drove down that street, you would pass how many churches? And I use that in the physical sense. That's what they call themselves. Churches. It's not for me to judge whether they're the Lord's church or not. He knows that. 
But how many of them differently this morning will explain to their people sitting in there who God is? And it'll all be different. It'll all be different. And the Bible tells us there's only one truth. There's one truth. Well, dear ones, listen. Here's the good news of the gospel. Is that Jesus said, as our intercessor, that He manifests who God is to us. He makes that picture clear. We don't know the clearness of it. We can get duped by any snake oil salesman out there. That tells us, oh, I know this about God and God does it. And let me tell you what this scripture says. And it, we, we all sit there and listen to that and sit there, oh, yeah, that sounds pretty good. But here's, here's the, the blessedness of the gospel. Man don't reveal us the truth. No, he can't, man can't manifest God to us. I can't do that for you this morning. I can paint the best picture I possibly can up here and, and the Lord has to manifest Himself to you. Now here's the good news. He said He would. I have done it. I will do it. I have manifested Thy name unto the men which Thou gavest me in the world. And that's the only way He makes the Father real to us. Then we travel on to verse 12. While I was with them in the world, I have kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept. As our intercessor, as the one who intercedes for us, listen, we're wandering sheep. We leave the fold. We don't know what's best from us, for us from one day to the next. Well, here's the blessedness of the gospel. He's kept us. He's kept us. I, those thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition. What does that mean? Does that mean he lost one? No, that means there was one ordained to betray him. That means there was one before the foundation of the world who God said, this one will betray you. He didn't lose him. He was never given to him. He said, so I've never lost one. But the son of perdition, he was in our inner circle, but he never really was of us, was he? No, but he preached in his name, didn't he? He cast out devils in his name. He did healings in his name. That's scary, isn't it? That the scripture might be fulfilled. Because see, that's the important thing. What is the scriptures, by the way? It's God's mind. It's God's word. It's God's, God's will. And they must be fulfilled. And Jesus said they must be fulfilled. So this one is lost. But he was really never part of us. I've never lost any. In that wonderful chapter back in John 10 that speaks of our great shepherd, he said these words in John 10, 28. He says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish because I've kept them. They shall never perish. They can't lose their salvation. They can't fall out of grace. They can't. Doesn't matter what preacher says that and what movies call this. Oh, we fell out of grace. There's no such thing according to these scriptures. If you are elected before the foundation of the world, you're elected by the Father, you're died for by the Son, and you're sealed by the Holy Ghost. 
And there's nothing you're going to do to mess that up. And that is very comforting to me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any pluck them out of my hand. That you know, I love that picture because that means that hand is so powerful. It's the hand of God. And any man that tries to get his fingers open or anything can't do it. Because they don't have that power. The almighty omnipotent power of God says, no man can, can take you out of my clutches. I've kept them. These are things they needed to know. These are the things you and I need to know. That's why this prayer never loses its value and never loses its power to a child of God. We need to be here many times during the week in this prayer to see what He's done for us. Because if He's done it, it's absolute. Now we travel down to 14. I have given them Thy Word. I just told you these holy scriptures are the Word of God. But see, there's a little W and there's a big W. And He's given us both of them. He's the big W. He's the one that he said, in this body that was prepared for me, I go to the cross. He says, I've given them thy word, the one that you sent. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He sent him to die for his people. And when he does that, and we see this fulfilled. I've given, I have given them thy word. He's given us of himself. He can swear by no other. He is the way, the truth, and the life. What else do we need? I have given them thy word, and the world hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So you see the hatred that the church goes through in this world because Christ has given us His word. The word of the gospel, grace, and glory but He's also given us Himself. In Isaiah 54, 13, Isaiah writes, And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. We're brought peace into our souls through His Word. Don't neglect the Word. That's how He speaks to us on a daily basis. This is where He speaks to His children. This Word Himself is from the heart of God. His Word is our peace. I have given them Thy Word. Given, it's a gift. There's no earning there. Oh, I, I gave it to this one because he was a good boy. He went to church. He, he paid his tithes. He did all these things. And, and boy, that made it. And he, and he took these people to, and he did these little alms and he did all that. No, you won't find that. You'll find it in the Pharisees' religion. You will not find it in the Lord's religion. The religion of grace. The covenant of grace. I've given them thy word. That's not all. Go down to 18. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. 
Did you hear that? We got in this same prayer in 15. Look, I pray not that thou should take them out of the world, but that thou should keep them from the evil in the world. Did you know that? That you as a child of God has been sent out into this world? But for what purpose have you been sent out? To reform the world? No. To change the world? No. You're not going to do that. What are we though? What did the Lord call us? Light. We are the light of this world. We are the salt of the earth. I have sent them. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so I have sent them. Remember what Moses said when the Lord uh, um, told him to go up? He said in, in, in Exodus 33, 15, he said, And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us up not hence. If your presence doesn't go with me, don't I don't want to go. Well, the Lord's telling us in this interceding on our behalf that He will send us. That we do have a purpose. That we do have a walk. And that is to live in this life. Our pilgrimage, however long it is, the Lord has ordained it from the beginning to the end. Every day in it. He has the plan. And that plan is different for every one of us in here. We have our own lives. But you know what? If you be in Christ, here's the good news. He has sent us to live that life. In Him. Relying upon Him. Without Him, we can do nothing. I need Thee every hour, Lord. Every hour. Is that your testimony this morning? That you can't even sit here now and captivate your thoughts and and focus enough to sit and say, I'm going to listen to what's being said. No, you can't. There's too much going on outside the window. There's too much going on the rest of the day. There's too much going on in our week. We can't even come away for an hour out of a week and say, Lord, You're worthy enough for this hour. We can't. But guess what? He's prayed for us. He's interceded for us. Remember what He said to Peter? He said, Peter... The devil would sift you as wheat. But I've prayed for you. This is the prayer that He prayed for us. This is the longest prayer ever recorded. The only one recorded from start to finish that Jesus prayed. He's got plenty of prayers in here. This is the longest one. It's the last time, like I said, He would address the the Father before He went and laid down His life. Let the brevity and the magnitude of that moment come upon you and say, and in that final moment, He wanted to leave this on record. It must be important for me. And it must be a great gift. As Thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I sent them into the world. And He's preserved us. We've already talked about, He said, I didn't pray for the world. No. But He's prayed for us. 
He's prayed that His Gospel would go out into the world and His Gospel went out into the world. And He's he's prayed today and He's prayed for us that His Gospel would go out today and His Gospel goes out today. And no man can stop that. And we have, we have a, a movement in this country that we live in that wants to silence the word of the gospel going out every day. It's offensive to too many people. You're right, it is offensive. It is very offensive. But not to the people of God. It's the very lifeline. It's the very words of their Lord and Savior. It's the very word of life. Now we move down to 22. And the glory which Thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. And the glory which Thou hast given me, the glory of the Gospel, the glory of grace, and the glory that awaits us. Both of them are gifts to us. Both of them, the Lord says, the glory which you've given me, which is the gospel I've given them, the glory that you've given me where I'm going to be where you are, is what I'm also giving my church. That they too will be where I am. They too will have oneness with me. That assures us, the church, of eternal life. Remember what 3 said? This is eternal life. That they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent. Knowing Him, and that knowing is a personal relationship. It's intimacy. That's what that means. It's an intimate relationship. We share the same mind and heart. Why? Because the Lord has given me a new heart. He's given me a new heart to love Him. He's washed my mind. He's given me the mind of Christ. That's what He does for not just me. He does that for all of His church. That's how how we receive and understand the glory that He's given to us. The glory which Thou hast given me, I've given to them. Once again, you see a gift. You see the loving gift that He has interceded on our behalf. So now, as He is going to lay down His life, put this into perspective, He's going to die. In just hours, He's going to die and He's talking to them about eternal life. A promise of eternal life being with Him. And they were still sad. Because we can't get there on our own. We can't get there without the Holy Spirit. He told them everything. He told them everything they'd ever have to know. And you sit there and you go, wow, I mean, you'd think that's enough to live a happy and joyous life. Well, look at your own. Look at your own. Oh, when He gives us the mind of the Lord to enter into the joy of the Lord and the peace of the Lord and the love of the Lord, there's nothing like it. That's where everything is. But when He's hidden from us, oh my goodness, the darkness of days, the groping in the dark, the desire to have Him near, that's His work. Because this is in heaven. This is our pilgrimage here. He's given us grace and glory. The grace of the gospel and the glory. David said that in Psalm 84.11. He said, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. 
And then this glory that he said, which thou gavest me, listen to the glory that was given. John, he said in John 1.14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory as the, of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's the glory. We beheld His glory. We behold that by faith and we behold that by the Holy Ghost revealing to us the pay, the, what the Lord said in these pages. We behold His face. We behold the glory of the Lord. The glory which thou gavest me, I've given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. Do you see the oneness? I love that word, oneness. use it a lot. It describes my union and oneness with my Lord. I have a oneness. It's the point I've been trying to make every time we talk about marriage. There's a oneness now in that marital union. But there's a oneness between the Lord and His people. He says, I give that to them. I give that, that eternal glory to them. As I've interceded for them. Look at verse 25. O righteous Father, the world hath not known Thee, but I have known Thee. See, that's our problem, isn't it? And we've already hinted on that a little bit. We can't get anywhere without the Lord. And he says, you know, the knowledge that, that I have, I have perfect knowledge in this union. And that's what he reveals to us of the Father. That's what he manifests to us. That's the, the word that he brings forth. And he says it here again. He says, but I have known thee as an intercessor. You know... The Lord, the Lord, the Father is 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 painted for us as a holy mountain in the Old Testament, where they knew they couldn't get close to the mountain. And and everybody looks at oh that that's how I... no it's holiness, people. The Bible is depicting God's holiness. The reason that man dies and can't come next to the, the Father is because of the holiness of this eternal being, God. He's holy and just in everything that He does. And that is what the Son takes and reveals to us about the Father. And you know, He makes us love that. And then He shows us that that justice is necessary. And then when He shows us the justice of God and He shows us the glory of God in His law and He shows us that we can't keep it, then we get timid little like little sheep and we sit there and shake. And we say, oh Lord, then we need to die too. Well, you're right. That's the wages of sin. But one has satisfied the justice of the Father. One stood in my place. One became a substitute for me. And dear ones, that was the plan of the Father. To provide a way for salvation for this elect church and is provided in the Son. That was the love of the Father and the love of the Son. And He took the wrath of the Father because sin must be punished. And we want sin to be punished. And it has been punished in Jesus. If you be in Jesus, He has been punished for your sins. He has satisfied the justice of the Father. 
Well done, my beloved brother. Well done, my beloved Lord. You have satisfied the Father's perfect and holy justice. And that righteousness is what He puts upon us so that we too can be looked upon. It's all of Him. What a glorious Lord. And last but not least, verse 26, And I have declared unto them thy name and will declare it. You know, I've told you many times that the Holy Spirit, He takes the things of Christ and reveals them to us. Jesus the Son says, I have declared unto them thy name. Jesus does not declare any other name. And He says He will declare it. Which means there's no other name that He continues to declare to you and I today. He intercedes. He is that mediator between you and me, the church, and the Father. And He joins us together as that perfect bridge. And we now can enter into a relationship with the Father and we can come to the throne of grace that the Father answers every day Because of the Son of God. Because of these I haves that He says that He has performed for His people. For His disciples. For His church. That's what we have today. Immediately, as you see verse 18, when He had spoken these words, all the events started to to go. He went right over the brook Cedron. He went into the garden. Judah showed up. Betrayed him. Then the part I love, all of them went back and hit on, fell on their backside. I love that. Showed his power to the end. He laid down his life. No man took it from him. I hope in the last weeks, that as we have went through John 14, 15, 16, and now 17, that the Lord has spoken to you twofold. The last sermon, the depth of what He left with His people before, left to His people before He went to the cross, and this intercessory prayer this morning. And I know I'm inadequate to even speak it, and I know I've left a lot on the table, but you know who is not inadequate? The Holy Spirit. He intercedes for us. He will reveal to you the depth of the words that Jesus said in these. Because He's faithful. May the Lord impress these words upon you today.